Hello everybody, I'd like to welcome you to this week's episode of Slugcast. As always, my name is Cynthia, and I'd like to wish y'all either a good day or a good night. And I know that last week we had midterms, that was quite of a bit of a stressful little rut. Or, you know, if you're listening in and it's way past midterms, I'm wishing you good luck on your exams, on your quizzes, best of you at work if you're working, and I'm hoping that I'm sending you some good vibes to make your day a little bit better. I'd like to remind you that we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and RSS.com. You can find us by looking up UCSC in all capitals, SLUGCAST. That's UCSC SLUGCAST. Now, I'm hoping that y'all had a good time during midterms last week. My midterms were spread across the span of two weeks. I had three of them. I definitely feel that I had a bit of a rough time in some points, but overall, not too bad. I might have overstudied on one exam and not put in enough emphasis on the other one, but I think I ended up doing pretty well considering the circumstances, this being my second quarter here at UCSC. Not really setting up that much of a study plan, but just kind of going with a boat. And this week's topic is going to be on study tips that I'm going to be giving out based on some empirical studies I looked up, some things that I found really interesting, a couple of my personal tidbits that actually helped me study, and I'm going to be giving y'all some good resources that we offer on campus that can help you maximize your study time and your efficiency. Now, before even talking about ways to study and things to do to be able to study your best, we should focus on sleep. You know, it's kind of important. We need at least eight hours of it. But as university students, I'm sure that a lot of us make do with at least uh, anywhere from four to six hours, which is definitely not healthy. And we tend to neglect that aspect a lot. But talking about that, one of the research studies that I found talking in the connections of studying and academic performance, they found that the amount of sleep that you had affects how well the information that you received that day is stored into your long-term memory. So if you're not getting enough sleep or if you're not getting even good quality of sleep, that is going to affect how well you retain the information that you learned in class that day. Now, I'm sure we've all heard of the myths of, you know what, pulling an all-nighter is an accomplishment and something you should be proud of. You, you stayed up all night to finish up that essay. You stayed up until 3 a.m. doing that quiz you forgot to do. But you know what? Sleep deprivation is something that is going to negatively affect your motor skills. What even is that? We're, we're talking about you're going to be walking around not feeling very good. You're not going to have that much bodily energy. Your verbal learning and your abstract learning is going to be very difficult as you're going to have very narrow attention. You're not going to be very focused. Your working memory, so information you're taking in and at the moment, it's not going to be working that well either. And you're going to have pretty bad lack of impulse control. Something else that I found pretty interesting is that you might have a dysregulation of your bodily functions, as such as your body temperature and your appetite. So, you know, maybe that's why you get a lot of odd midnight cravings, especially when you're pulling all-nighters. 
and those midnight cravings are going to be piling up if you keep on doing them over and over and that's not good for your health at all and just as i slightly mentioned a little bit before not just the amount of sleep that you're getting so if you're getting eight hours of sleep or even 10 hours of sleep um the quality of the sleep matters as well you know better sleep quality is going to help you retain the information more and some good tips that I've found that will help you be able to fall asleep longer and will help you actually stay asleep a little bit better. And I know it, this is going to be very, very counterintuitive to what a lot of us do. Don't use your phone 30 minutes before going to sleep. And you might be wondering to yourself, wait, 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 what? Why? But you know, I, I need to set my alarm and, you know, I like looking at Instagram or I look looking over Twitter to help me relax and fall asleep. But a couple of studies have actually shown that the blue light from your phone, actually that will keep you awake and it stimulates daylight. Unless you really, really need to use your phone, make sure you turn on that night mode. Make sure your screen is orange, red, any of those little colors and it'll help you at least your eyes not feel as strained. Something else as well is that you should practice some good sleep hygiene. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is if you have the ability, try not to do any homework or any work on your bed because at that point what your body will do is that it learns to associate the bed as an area where you can work and you need to stay awake and you need to stay focused. But that's not the point of the bed. The point of a bed is that's a safe space and a comfortable space for you to be able to relax and sleep and rewind everything back from the day into your brain, into those long-term memory banks. But yeah, just making sure that you learn to associate your bed with just sleep, it'll help you fall asleep a lot easier and that'll hopefully get you some good quality sleep. Not just the time, but the quality. And some of my personal study tips kind of going off of that is that you should try to cozy up your environment. You know, now that we kind of gotten sleep out of the way, we should probably think about, okay, where am I studying at? Personally, I feel that having a workspace that feels welcoming in at least one aspect helps me feel a little bit more relaxed and more comfortable and helps me hunker down for a long study session or, you know, just being able to just go over some notes, do some homework. Personally, I like setting up an essential oil diffuser with lavender running. It really helps me out. It just makes me focus on singular thing on the screen instead of having to focus on 50 gazillion things going on around me. And if you can't, then that's totally acceptable. Just as long as you can try to find a workspace that even if it's a small corner of your room or yes, breaking the rules, even if it's on your bed, um, if you can find somewhere that you're going to be comfortable in, that's going to help you really just be able to focus on studying. Yeah, and something else. Uh, personally, I have a little anime figure at the corner of my desk. It, he's at the side of my two screens. Um, it really helps me just kind of, especially when I start to lose focus and I don't really feel motivated to study anymore, maybe because I've been sitting down for two hours reading the same thing over and over and I just can't focus. If I just focus on certain aspects of the figure, I'm like, wow, you know what? This little hair twirl is pretty nice. Like I never noticed all the details of that. Or if I look, I'm like, wow, the, the coat 
that looks really nice though. Whoever painted this did really nice. After doing that for about a minute or so, I can think, okay, you know what? I, I gotta go back and think about actually studying and just focusing on something else and then going back to studying actually helps me refocus on studying all over again and I can go right ahead and sit down for another extra hour to study. I don't know how it works, but that's just a personal thing. And you all know what else is something that's pretty personal? Music. And, you know, I actually listen to music to help me focus while I'm studying. Personally, I really love listening to Tchaikovsky, especially his Swan Lake. Um, I love listening to waltz and the soundtrack music, especially Hans Zimmer. I don't know what it is, but listening to Man of Steel, The Dark Knight, Inception, Interstellar, Pirates of the Caribbean, all back to back, especially like all the really soothing tracks, it really just helps me focus in on the studying portion. And I don't know why, I didn't know why, but actually I found a very, very interesting article where they did a research study on how having background music really helped improve uh, processing while studying and it helped benefit the memory for some reason. And this is something I never thought was actually true. I would always hear people say, oh, listening to classical music helps you focus and it helps you retain the memory better, you know? And then I always say, that sounds kind of baloney. That doesn't sound like it would actually work. But actually reading over this article now and from listening to classical music more than ever now here at university, I can say that they're not lying. And what the study actually did is that they put on background music like Mozart and a couple of miscellaneous artists with varying tempos of uh, classical music to see if they improved performance in cognitively demanding tasks. So that means you really had to think about these things. And they actually found that performance was a lot higher in the groups who listened to classical music in comparison to those people who listened to white noise or didn't even listen to anything. But, you know, classical music, you're having your headphones on and yeah, it's working. But what if studying alone isn't your cup of tea or your jam or your bread and butter? Honestly, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit hungry, <laughs> which actually makes me think, you know, when we study, we tend to kind of just snack on things like that bag of chips and you just keep on munching at it and munching at it and munching at it. And when you least expect it, you already reached into the bottom of the bag and there's nothing left. You're like, oh, darn, I already finished it. But uh, there's a couple of foods that I personally really like eating and that I know will give me quite a bit of brain power. Um, I really love eating strawberries, fresh ones, dried ones are a little bit okay. I love snacking on dry seaweed. I love snacking on peaches and cherries. Cherries are life. And I really love drinking tea and kombucha as well. Um, definitely avoiding those sugary, sugary drinks like sodas or power drinks. Definitely don't be drink. Don't drink monster drink. Don't, don't, don't drink that Red Bull. Don't do any of that. Please take care of your own body, which, you know, yeah, going back, stop talking about food. Um, what about if you don't really like studying alone? Well, 
Group studying, and especially during remote learning, it might seem like quite a bit of an awkward task. However, I found this pretty interesting article out there on some of the best practices that you can do while in virtual teams that'll hopefully get your study session to have a very positive outcome and everybody will be happy and everybody will have at least been a little bit productive. I know that group studying sometimes feels a little bit counterproductive because everybody gets sidetracked, but you know, remote learning, you can't really have that. And I know that remote learning studying with groups is a little bit awkward just because we're all either in different time zones or we just don't even know how to interact with each other because we've never met in person. I'd like to bring in that the first thing that they recommend is that all the members should initially agree on a focus of what the session will be. So come up with a shared purpose so that everybody contributes and everybody's working together. Try to distribute out the tasks evenly. Make sure that you have at least one person like in charge so they'll be able to check in on everybody and see that everybody's doing the work that they're going to sit out to do. Second thing is that having that sort of shared purpose allows the members to rely on each other to perform the work. So you're not just taking on a singular task and you're not going to be carrying everybody with your back. You're going to hopefully trust in everybody else that since the work is spread out evenly, everybody's going to have to put in their part and hopefully that'll give a very good outcome to your end result. Now kind of going on, you should hopefully have a team leader set in place as having a team leader will help establish a positive team progress. It'll help also that they can develop some good relations between the team. Like if they can be able to say, hey, it seems like you're doing pretty well on this part, but your, your other um, group member, it seems like they're struggling a little bit on that same thing. Do you think you can help them out? And then that way, you know, maybe you can talk with each other and maybe it'll turn into something a little bit more than just the group work and maybe you'll be able to help each other out in a couple of other things to message each other make sure that you're keeping up with the homework <laughs> and one last thing is same thing and i never thought about this before is setting up a sort of reward system for the end goal for example having that reward system will be able to kind of have an incentive for everybody in the team to just actually put in the work and get everything done and i know an incentive to finish the work is a little bit odd especially during remote or zoom kind of group work but you know maybe at the end you can say hey if we finish this task on time if we finish doing all the group work on time we can talk about our hobbies and interests and get to know each other a little bit more because i know that social interaction is a little bit starved, especially with everybody staying at home. Or set up maybe that y'all can have a little bit of a game day just for five minutes. You can probably set up a little online game before you leave. And last but not least, best practice that you can do, showing your face during the meeting is going to increase engagement. And I know that's very it's very awkward to do, especially sometimes we feel like uh, we don't look that good on camera or uh, I don't want them to see my room or wherever I'm at. But you know what? There's no need to worry about it because at the end of the day, we are all in the same boat of this pandemic. We're not all 
at it 100%. And we're all pretty understanding of everybody's live situations. And we know that not everybody's going to be in a perfect spot, either looking or mentally or physically or whatever it may be. So just trying to even make that effort to show your face, it feels a little bit better when you can gauge those reactions of, it looks like maybe somebody might be confused, so I might approach them and say, hey, um, you, you, you need any help? <laughs> that, that was me knocking on the table, just so we all heard. And kind of thinking about this, you might have already been set up with maybe some group work for your classes, and maybe you already have those study sessions with your group during your discussion sections. But what if you don't? What if you um, actually need a little bit more of additional help? And this is where I really want to bring in the services being offered by the LSS. Now, for those of you who've never heard of LSS, that actually stands for the Learning Support Services Program. And what that encompasses is that at least through this program, they offer services such as the Modified Supplemental Instruction, which is MSI, MSI study groups, small group tutoring, which is abbreviated as SGT, some writing groups, and individual tutoring. So first thing I would like to get into talking about is MSI. So these Modified Supplemental Instructions. They have a maximum of 15 students per session. There is no weekly commitment and they have learning assistants that go to the class that you're in. So they're aware of the course material that you're taking and they plan sessions according to the, the course. So that way they're on track and we'll be talking about topics that you just talked about. So these are open to any student enrolled in any MSI supported courses and a complete list of those courses on any quarter given are listed up on the LSS webpage and hopefully we'll be attaching a link of that on the description below so it'll be a little bit easier for you to find it. Now, next thing I'd like to talk about is the MSI study group. So that consists of a maximum of six students. However, there is a weekly commitment to this. So you have to sign up and you're only allowed two sessions per week. Now, these the study group leaders for this group, they get to learn who you are, how you learn, and they will get you a plan on how to be most successful with helping you and your group out. They tend to reach out to EOP students first since they do get first priority, but then after that, they open up for everybody else who is in an MSI supported class. So if you can sign up for this first, it'll be a little bit more individualized and hopefully you can get in. If not, you still have your normal MSI. Now, the next service that they offer is called the Small Group Tutoring, or SGT. And this is led by a UCSC undergrad student who's taken the course before, and it has a max cap of six students. So the way that this works is that you have an hour long to be able to do this, though you can sign up for two hours of tutoring per week per course. So you can go to tutoring up to twice a week per class that offers that tutoring. I hope that made sense. <laughs> now, the commitment to this is that you have to attend tutoring once a week for the entire quarter. And more than anything, this is a study space for the students in the same course to hopefully engage in insightful conversations about the course material while having some guidance from the undergrad. The tutor will be able to have a plan for your session, so just make sure that you bring notes, you bring your textbook, and you definitely bring those questions. 
Now, maybe you don't have enough people to go to the group tutoring sessions, but you still want to have some help. Well, you still have something else. Their last option here is your individual tutoring. So this is personalized one-on-one, -on -one, which they partner you up with an undergrad tutor. And this allows you to share what you know and the tutor will be able to guide you on topics that you might be struggling with, though these appointments are quite limited. And unfortunately, at the moment, LSS is not offering individual tutoring online via Zoom. All of the other services they are doing, but individual tutoring just isn't available just because there are some low bandwidth issues and they are quite short staffed. But hopefully this will be up when we go back up in fall. Now, if you're a STEM major, there's actually a tutoring program dedicated for y'all out there. So if you're a STEM major, listen closely. Um, this is called the Academic Excellence Program. So this program you do have to apply is dedicated to being able to help out those STEM majors who are going for their bachelor degrees. They offer active learning, which is something that has sessions involving problem solving, and they give you some supplementary gateway coursework in math, engineering, physics, biology, and chemistry. They last about one and a half hours, and they meet twice per week for the entire quarter. They have mandatory attendance, but hopefully with engaging with these problems, they have professional staff up there, and they partner you up, and they give you some collaboration opportunities to be able to give you some challenging course content and learning, and this will hopefully be able to give you a little bit more in-depth feel of how you're going to actually be dealing with these problems once you get your degree. Um, something else that they offer as well is called the skill building, in which they actually help you develop some skills on how to be prepared for authentic research, which we are a research-based school, so this is definitely going to be something that's going to be quite handy, and I'm not a STEM major, but I'm assuming that this would be a great experience having that research kind of implementation and help. They help you develop skills such as professional etiquette and critical thinking, especially the kind that is required within the STEM field. And last but not least, they offer something called community development. And what this is, is that they make sure that each student that is part of this program has a network of peers, mentors, and advocates that will help you out in your career within the STEM field. And you can apply for this if it sounds interesting at ace.science.ucse.edu. Um, hopefully, if you do have any more questions, you can reach out to them via their email on that webpage. Or if you want to read up a little bit more about what they offer precisely, go ahead and look that up. And I know that I've talked a lot about the resources and my personal kind of ways to relax to help me study. but. What about ways to actually study? You know, everybody has different amounts of times that, that they can dedicate to studying or different methods like using Quizlet, flashcards, or just reading your notes. But there's something that I found that was pretty interesting off of the EOP webpage, and they have a study formula set up. And I'm hoping that after you hear this, you might take it a little bit into consideration, and hopefully it'll help you out a little bit more. So what they advise students to do is that if you want to achieve that perfect A 
4.0 GPA, especially in a research school such as this, you need three hours of study time per one unit of class per week. So let's do some math here. So that means 15 units times three hours of study time per week per one unit. That means you have to dedicate at least 45 hours per week of study time, eh, give or take, for all of your classes so you can have that 4.0. Now, what if you just don't have the time or you don't have the concentration to be able to get that 4.0? What if you at least want to get that B? So what they suggest is that you have a minimum of a range of 32 to 37 hours of study time per week. So that would mean two hours of study time per one unit of class per week. So, okay, maybe that's still a little bit too much. So let's say you've got a full course load yeah, and maybe you might be juggling a job as well, or some other things might be going on, and you at least want to aim for that C. Y'all know, C's get degrees. Phrase everybody's at least probably heard once, I hope, or if not, this is your first time hearing it. Um, they suggest anywhere from 15 to 19 hours of study time per week to at least get a C+. So that would mean at least dedicate one hour of study time per one unit of class per week. And if you're still a little bit like all over the place and thinking that's a lot and I honestly don't know how to plan any of this out. They actually offer a time management guide so you can find that on their webpage, but they'll also hopefully be attaching a link to that management guide on the bio of this podcast and it's a free Excel or PDF. You can download it at either, either or, and it'll help you plan out your school-related activities, and it'll help you plan out some self-care activities as well. It'll give you a full day from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And from there, I'd actually like to talk about what are some of my personal time management and skills and guides that I'd like to give y'all. Um, I personally use a planner and I know it sounds very old school. I don't like using Google Calendar as much, even though I probably should. Um, I really like using my physical planner. I like structuring everything by color coding. It really helps me out, especially during Sunday, sitting down getting three colors, one per course, and planning everything out for the week so I can schedule things ahead of time for especially taking quizzes, Make sure, making sure I do them a little bit before they're actually due. Um, that way I'm aware once I jump in on Monday off of my little weekend break that I have all of these things to do. They're all color coded. I can check box them off once I'm done. And I also make sure that I add in some personal health activities in there as well so I keep myself sane and not just shut in in my room doing work all day. Um, personally, I play tennis so I try to cram in at least one hour to two hours every other day um, after my classes and after my coursework so I can just have a little bit of time to let my body relax. If you can't do those sort of extreme activities, at least make sure you take a bit of a 30 minute walk or make sure you give yourself a nice relaxing bath if you can do that or just do things that you know will make you feel relaxed in your body and in your brain. And even if it's just for at least 10 minutes or 20 minutes, hopefully that'll bring a little bit of ease to your studying and you can jump back into your workflow once again. And for me, having that planner has helped me out so much during these past two quarters 
I was not much of a stickler for plans before I came to UCSC, but one of my advisors had recommended, have you ever thought about using a planner? And I thought, that sounds silly. I'm not going to do that. And now I see the importance of it and I've seen how much it actually does help. And that is it for this week's episode of Slugcast. Now I'd like to thank y'all for tuning in and I'm hoping that some of the information, hopefully it'll come in a little bit useful later on or right now. And if what you heard you found a little bit interesting, I would implore you to please go check out our fellow Slugcasters, Diego. He is putting out an episode later on this week talking about wellness check. So this is going to be talking about some of the resources a fellow banana slug can use to be nourished. So how does food play into wellness? And what are some healthy eating habits that you can put on? And what if you're on a budget? So this is definitely going to tie back in into those late night food cravings while you're studying. Hopefully he'll give you all some tips on how to eat a little bit healthier, not just during test taking, but overall as a student. And I would like to remind y'all that you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and RSS.com. And big, big news, we have an Instagram now. Yes, you can. You can find us on Instagram. I can't believe it. But if you do want to send us some direct messages for requests or comments on our podcast, please feel free to do so. We'll hopefully be attaching a link to that Instagram on the bio below. And you can follow us as well for any announcements and news and more. Please as well, though, if you would like to send me directly or any of my coworkers directly any requests or any comments, you can send them individually to our emails and you can find those on the UCSC Slugcast website and you can find our bios in there with our emails. And that'll be all for today. And I'd like to wish y'all a good day and a good night.